Thank you so much for uh, coming to this seminar. Um, my name's Sean. Um, just a quick bit about myself. So I'm, I'm married to a wonderful woman called Rachel. Uh, I have four kids. Um, and I've been a part of Citygate Church in Bournemouth for about 18 years. Um, I've also been on the staff team there for about 11 years as finance director, um, which has been great. And um, I've also worked with uh, commission as well on the finance side. Just taken on kind of an operations lead there and also uh, became an elder of the church um, back in 2018 as well. I stumbled into uh, worship music when I was about 16 years old. Uh, the church that I was in uh, was absolutely awesome. It was about 8,200 8, people strong, and they didn't have a drummer. Uh, so I just put my hand up. I'd never played drums in my life. Um, and I just said, look, I'll give it a go. Um, and I just played nonstop for three months, and they just took me onto the team. And the most shaping experience of my life at that time was the investment and encouragement that the worship pastor poured into me in my life. He saw potential in a spotty teenager that I definitely didn't see in myself. I was mediocre at best as a drummer, um, and there was nothing special about me, but he gave up his early Saturday mornings to disciple me and a couple of guys with me. His consistently encouraging me and giving me opportunities to grow in my gifting. He pulled me up on attitudes he saw in me that weren't doing me any good. He modeled what it is to be a passionate worshiper of Jesus, and he created an environment of nurture and love where I could make mistakes and then learn from them. An environment where there was a sense of moving forward. I felt that this is, a good, this is good, but there's more that we could do and what God's calling us to do. And 21 years later, I can speak about it as if it happened yesterday. And looking back on everything that's happened between that season now, I can pinpoint moments where it's people that have invested in me, sacrificially giving up their time, their food, their lives to invest in me, who gave me a chance, showed they valued me for who I was in Jesus, and encouraged me um, in something that I couldn't even see in myself. And as a worship pastor, I've endeavored to try and do the same in the context I'm in, um, for the last 17 years, I've messed up a lot in the process, and I've learned many lessons about myself, about building relationships, communicating well, being consistent, building trust with my team and the leadership team in my church. I've learned patience. I've had to deal, I'm sure, like many of you, seeing people go, um, but also bringing new people on. Um, and I've not experienced everything, but I'm hopefully... In this seminar, I can, and a team with me, can, can help with just a few experiences that we've gone through, uh, and hope that that helps you guys as well. So instead of listening to me for the next 50 minutes, um, I thought I'm going to bring some friends along who have experienced a lot about leading worship teams and leading worship um, uh, in different environments and different church contexts to come and help. And what I want to do is if I can get these guys up and sit in these chairs over here, Let's, uh, let's encourage them as they come forward. And um, what I'm going to do is I've, I've thought, uh, thought about a few questions that I can ask these guys because I know some of those experiences. And I've, I've asked in a way that I hope is going to help where you guys are at in your church situations as well. So we're going to do that for about 30 minutes or so. But then after that, we're just going to open it up. So you guys can ask any question you want, hopefully on the kind of worship kind of side of things. Um, and then try and filter and see who's the best person to answer that question. We'll just throw the mic around. Does that sound all right? Good. Great. Okay. Yeah, let's move this out of the way so you can see these wonderful faces. Right. I'm going to start with um, to James and Ella because actually these guys are in high, high demand. They're, they're, there's a seminar clash. They actually need to lead worship in another seminar um, in about 20, 20 minutes or so. So... Um, so James, so this is James here, this beautiful face here. Um, he um, is the youngest member of our Commission Collective that's been leading worship um, here this weekend, but by no means the less e experienced or gifted. Um, James leads the worship teams um, in uh, City Church Bristol. Um, and James, I know that you've seen some success in bringing worship leaders through. 
and developing them on their journey. Can you talk through some of the ways that you've done this in Bristol and particularly talk through the opportunities you take in different contexts to develop people, develop Welsh leaders? Yeah, great. Um, I'm, just I'm just trying to check if there are people from City Church here. In the there aren't, so I can speak freely. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll stand up so you can see me. Um, so uh, that's right, I'm, uh, I lead the worship team at City Church. I'm also um, full-time on staff there. Um, I used to be a history teacher uh, in a secondary school in Bristol and taught there for five or six years and then joined the staff team there two years ago. And as part of that, taking on uh, the team, we've got uh, two sites currently. We've got one in the city centre and then one in the north of Bristol, and we are imminently starting a new site uh, at the beginning of next year. So we're going to go to three sites, and as you can imagine, uh, there are some fairly heavy worship implications there with regards to rotors and distribution of leaders. And so uh, one of the things that we've always talked about is that we need to develop worship leaders, and actually uh, we have such a high value on, on worship as a church and as a movement of churches that, that having worship leaders and resourcing our sites with leaders is so important. And it has to start at the grassroots level. And so often we're, we're looking for the finished article to come and arrive at our church. I don't know if you've, if you've had that before, you've prayed that in before and you want Matt Redmond to turn up at your church and it's going to sort everything out. And as well as praying those kind of prayers, which is great, actually, there may well be people amongst you or, or people that, ha like Sean has said, perhaps never saw it in themselves, uh, but actually you can grow and develop. And that's definitely part of, of my story as well, people getting hold of me and saying, have you ever thought about playing the guitar? And so I learned, learned to play the guitar using an old Soul Survivor songbook. And, and that was literally it, just learning the chords. And, and we didn't even have YouTube in those days. Uh, so I literally had to learn through a book. And so it's, it's identifying people uh, on the grassroots level. So are there people in, in the youth that have a real passion for music? They're always listening to music all the time. They've always got their headphones in. You probably know teenagers who walk around. You can spot they love music. Probably, and so it's getting hold of them and saying, have you ever, do you play an instrument? What, what kind of music do you like? And starting those conversations. Um, so, so one way is starting a youth band, um, and uh, that takes time and effort, but that's actually a really good way to start, and it, do it doesn't have to sound particularly brilliant. You can start a youth band. We do it once a month after our 11 a.m. service on a Sunday. The youth are invited from both sites to one of the sites, and we just get uh, some of our interns but also I'll go along and we just start playing a few songs together and we send them out in advance. We say, we're going to learn water into wine. Uh, what you send into wine, our God is great, our God is stronger. They've listened to it for a couple of weeks. They come, they've learned their parts and they we, just have a, we just have a jam and it's not particularly polished. And you just but out of that, you just start to invest in people at a young age. Um, other practical things, so that'd be the first thing, just, like just from the grassroots level, who you, who you have in in your church is a great place to start. And then looking at opportunities, really, to, to develop leaders across the church. Uh, and the best way that we've done that, I think, is, is go to a kind of co-leading model. Uh, and so we're doing that at West Point. There's kind of four worship leaders at a time, and we're all kind of leading together. And we, we decided we were going to do that early on, uh, probably about six or seven years ago. We were going to try and do some co-leading together. And I find that probably the best way of, of developing people, particularly worship leaders. Um, and so people who uh, have good character and want to and develop in their gifting of uh, being worship leaders, we might get them alongside. So I can tell this story because actually this guy is going to go on to be in, in Sean's church uh, this year. So uh, a friend of ours, um, he was in the youth, uh, really, I mean, an incredible voice. Good guitar player, but hadn't really led much worship before, um, and so he. We started just inviting him, and he would lead with me. Um, and so I might say, "Hey, why don't you start just by? I'm going to do the verses, and you sing the chorus." And we do that on a Sunday, and and so he's like, "Okay, I, I reckon I can handle that." And then uh, I'd give him like a whole song, like in a month's time, and you just start to build it like that. And then and then we'd actually talk about the set together. So I'd be like, "Josh, what like?" 
what song should we sing this Sunday? And we talk about it. And then eventually, without him really realizing it, he's now like leading the whole service and I'm just playing behind him or whatever. And, uh, and then out of that, a couple of years, he then went and did a, a year team at Emmanuel Church in Brighton. So he was with Simon Brady for a year. So then he actually got taught how to lead worship. <laughs> um, uh, and now he's going off to Sean. So it's like, and, and it's just an amazing, it's an amazing kind of, I mean, he's a really good musician already, but I think he'd never led worship before, really. He'd done it bits and pieces, but I think it's that kind of stage process. Rather than looking for the person who can lead a whole set, it's just kind of building them up, encouraging them, and doing that kind of thing. And then it's just looking for other opportunities. So uh, you might have, uh, someone who ha- is a bit more experienced and it's actually just giving them plenty of opportunities. So prayer meetings, Alpha, if you're a multi-site church, you can get them leading at different sites. And so much of it is is down to character. I imagine what you're going to hear a lot of is is character over gifting. And are they are they willing just to meet the need? Are they willing to just step up and see where, where the need is? And like Sean said with the drummer, I, my first experience of being in a worship team was playing bass. I'm not a very good bass player, but that was that was the need, um, and so I played bass in church for like two years, with and and that was it. And I, and I was kind of leading worship in my own bedroom at home, but that was the need, just playing bass for two years, and then and then after a bit of time, there was a need for some for another worship leader, and I could step in and started doing stuff at Alpha, uh, and at prayer meetings, and then just built up from there. So I think it's it's finding the opportunities as well. And spreading them out. And also just being open to releasing people so that they can go further than yourself. And uh, I think often if you're leading a worship team or you're a worship leader, there is sometimes this sense in which it's your baby that you have to take. And you don't want to give it away too much. So uh, my wife and child have just arrived today for the day. And I gave my wife a kiss and I just wanted to grab the baby, Maddie. And I didn't want to, everyone was coming out, I was like, I'm not giving it away, I've not seen her for three days. I don't want to, and, uh, and there's something of that in the worship team as well, it's like, I don't want to give this away, and, and I think that's an unhealthy attitude to have. Actually, you've got to be willing to give it and, and release people into it, even if it means mistakes and wrong key changes, and they put the kappa on the wrong fret or whatever, and they start in the wrong, it's okay, it's okay to do it. You've got to be able to release people to go further than you can. And when you do that, you start to see people grow and flourish and actually go way beyond I could I ever could. And, and that's and that's I wanted to do myself out of a job. Uh, and and so if Josh then eventually comes back, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> but uh, that would be some of the things I would talk about. Yeah. Thanks so much, James. That's great. So just as we've been talking, just think of some questions that you might want to bring at the end. Um, Ella. So I have the privilege of, um, of serving with Ella at Citygate Church as well. Um, Ella's been on our team for probably about eight, eight years, or over eight years, I think. Um, I mean, Ella, oh my goodness, she runs a charity supporting churches in the Ukraine. She has helped run Christian camps in the Ukraine for young people and has led worship and a youth band in Ukraine. Her pr- Ukrainian is pretty good as well, I, I hear. <laughs> um, and she's also been a teacher many years and in church life she's been a youth youth leader and heads up one of our worship teams as well so um and she she takes the lead in developing our youth at citygate so ella be good to hear a bit about youth worship can you talk through some of your experience in developing younger musicians and leaders what are some of the challenges but also what are some of the joys and benefits for both the youth and for the church in seeing young people leading worship? Thank you, yeah. Um, so these are some of my lovely young people, one of my wonderful young people. Um, it is such an incredible privilege to work with teenagers, and I kind of started working with young people um, when I decided to become a teacher when I realised that not everybody likes teenagers, and I do, so I thought maybe I should work with them and then that would be okay. Um, and so youth has always been a real passion for me and in terms of the role in Citygate I've kind of fallen into it just out of the fact that I was um, working with the youth and we had a really great bunch of young people that are really keen and really keen worshippers so actually if we're honest it wasn't really us going we need to invest in the future generation it was more being like oh these guys are already worshipping should we kind of get involved in that and try and direct them a little bit Um, so I don't think we can really take an awful lot of credit for what we've raised up but what we are now trying to do is be a lot more intentional in how we do that. 
Um, and so I um, try to run every month um, a youth practice. Um, but I do that strategically on the same day that I'm also leading, the same week that I'm also leading the worship band. So I choose my set for the Sunday morning. And then on another night of the same week, we have a youth practice and we practice a couple of his songs that we've already prepared ready for the Sunday band. Um, and we kind of do that intentionally. One, so that the young people can then hear those songs on the Sunday, how the kind of big band do it. But also so that it's not a load of more work for me. Let's just be honest about that. Um, so, yeah, so that's just more sustainable and realistic. So we try to do that on a monthly basis so that we've got that regular time for the young people to come together and to be playing together and starting to gel as a band. Um, but as well as doing those songs for the Sunday morning, we also try and be really intentional. And I think the thing for me, maybe it's the teacher in me, but the thing that I always think is most successful is being really intentional about what you're doing with your time. So, yes, I will choose the songs in advance, but I might also then say I'm going to out of the seven songs that I've chosen for Sunday, I want to do this song with the youth because it's got a really different, difficult drum line and I really want to give the drummer an opportunity to learn how to nail that drum line and give the others an opportunity to learn how to come in at the right time. Or I'm going to do this song because it's got some amazing vocal stuff and I really want to work with the vocal guys on that. So being really intentional about what we're doing with our worship time um, is really important. We also, just the other day, controversially did a non-worship song at youth band practice. I haven't even told you this, Sean, sorry. <laughs> um, but we did um, a bit like, so, it was so last summer, but we did a This Is, this is Me from um, Greatest Showman. I mean, I just love that song anyway. But basically, the reason we wanted to I wanted to work through that song with the band is because, I don't know if you how much you guys have listened to that song, but there's so many opportunities where you, you think in that song, like, oh, this is as big as it's going to go. And then, like, a bit later on, it's like, oh, my goodness, it's big again. Oh, my goodness, it's gone a whole other step. So we wanted to just listen to that song because I wanted the guys to listen to how have they achieved those dynamic changes and what have they actually done and how can we do that differently in, in our band. So it's not just about using worship music, but actually songs that they know and recognize and love and can have a go at playing um, and enjoy playing as well together. Um, and that was really good. One of the, some of the challenges maybe, <laughs> I would say, um, teenagers are sometimes, I love you Maisie, this doesn't count to you, uh, they can be a bit flaky, let's be honest. Um, and that, for me, is really frustrating because I'm someone, I'm like, you said you're going to be there, and no, you're not. And that's really annoying. Um, and so it's actually, God's just really been teaching me grace to be like, don't cancel it because there's only three of them that have said they're going to be there. Because actually those three are the ones that are really key to be there. So be there with those three and just try and work it out differently. Um, and you might not be able to do the thing that you've organized to do, but actually honor those ones that want to be there and, and run it as you can. Um, so that's been one of the challenges, um, but also to then get alongside those that are flaking out and kind of say to them, like, look, we really want to build in to this youth network. We really want to build this band. Do you want do you want to be a part of it? Or actually, am I kind of pushing you into it and you're not really that fussed, which is why you keep not turning up to practices? Um, and kind of give them the opportunity to be out, but also gently say, come on, like, get on with it. Um, yes, your GCC is important, but no, just joking, <laughs> revise. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so that's been one of the challenges. Um, and I would say, uh, to be honest, the, the biggest challenge, and I think this is the case for all um, bands, is the drummer. Uh, having a solid drummer is so essential to making a great band sound. And I think for years I didn't really realize that because I've just been really blessed with amazing drummers. So it's just like, oh, this song is working great because you've got a great drummer. Um, but actually then you realize. And so what we've tried to do now is to split like our drummers have separate times with Dave Ashley, who is an is he? No, he's an incredible musician, um, and he really works with the drummers um, intentionally on just drum stuff. And then in a lot of sessions, we'll then take the vocalists off into another room and do vocal practice while the band are kind of doing band practice so that vocalists aren't standing around being bored because they're just playing over the same riff over and over again. And then we'll come back together at the end of the session. So it's just trying to be, I would say, being really intentional in identifying drum and ba drums and bassists who can really invest and work closely with them, and then working on the different skills in the band separately to that. Um, and then just lastly, very quickly, um, having a team around me. So John and Charlotte here have been amazing at supporting me in the youth stuff. So actually, I, can, I try to invite somebody else to all of those worship practices so that I've got another um, grown-up, as it were, um, who I can also just bounce on. Because I, I don't, I'm not a very good musician. <laughs> 
Um, but I'm just kind of passionate. So it's really important that I have other people who have better skills than me that can bring their skills to the band. Um, and then also just doing songs that they, like saying to the young people, well, what do you want to do? Because you might like songs that I don't like, reggae, uh, <laughs> that they want to do. Um, and I don't want to do, but then it's kind of that whole thing like you were saying, James, of like releasing people beyond what you're capable of. Like I love being able to say, I could never hit that note. That's awesome. Like, yeah, go push it. Or like, you want to do it in that weird style that I think is awful? Okay, yeah, you're fine. You're teenagers, you do your thing. Um, and just releasing them into that so that they're really enjoying the process. Um, and then, yeah, like building community, loving worshiping together, loving jamming together, and yeah, just worshiping Jesus. Right, James and Ella, go, go, go. Bless you guys. Okay, I'm going to ask Joe some stuff, and then Joe's going to switch around and ask the rest of the guys. So, um, so Joe leads, uh, oh, she's led worship everywhere probably, but uh, she leads worship teams at Welcome Church in Woking, um, as well as um, leading the Commission Collective alongside myself. Um, and it's just been a huge privilege just getting to know Jo and, and working with her even, even recently. And I've learned so much from her leadership. Um, so Jo's a head teacher and she has three kids. Yes, teenage kids. One of them is Owen, who's been playing with us as well. Um, uh, so Jo, you've served in worship in many different church contexts, from church plants to multi-site to taking on new teams to seasons with small kids, managing work priorities. What are some of the lessons you've learned on the journey and what tips can you give people who are potentially um, entering a new season or ha just having to deal with change? How long have we got? <laughs> um, hi, everyone. I won't talk for ages, I promise. Um, yeah, there's a lot in there, isn't there? Um, and I think, you know, it's very kind of Sean not to introduce me as I think the oldest <laughs> So I have, I have, I've been around a lot of different worship teams and I've been involved in worship since I very, very first became a Christian. And similarly to, to Sean, actually, I suddenly became a Christian and showed up in a church because some people took me along there. I had no idea what I was doing, but the worship team were just connected with me because of the music straight away. They were so inclusive. They were so welcoming. It gave me a place to be and it gave me a way to learn about who God was and to learn about who he is through song, which really resonates with me. Um, and, and God is so gracious in that. And I think, um, you know, as we build our teams, to build them as inclusive places is, is just vital. And just, I think, you know, there's, there's probably a bit of a theme of that throughout the team here as well, of that being included in that team. So I think, you know, it's our job to be those people who are welcoming and inclusive and, and accepting of people of where they're at not necessarily, you know, putting them on onto a platform on a Sunday morning and, you know, rabbit in the headlights because that's not kind either. But to be in and part of that, part of our team, just be around us, get to know us. Actually, you learn so much. So I'm just any team that I've been in, I've learned so much from that team that I'm in. So I think that's really important for us. I think what's been a challenge over the years is that there are different seasons of life as you go through life and you have no children and all the time in the world and all the opinions in the world but very little experience and then you know you might go through time where you have kids and you have small kids and things are busy at work you might be in a big church you might be in a small church plant setting and uh, in every single season it, it's so different and God is asking something different of you whilst remaining your rock he's still your rock he's still the same um, and I think I think that is that that adaptability is and flexibility is what's really important for us as worship musicians. I think if we're going to genuinely serve, serve our churches and serve our God. So I love I absolutely love Psalm 51. That's kind of my creating me a pure heart. That I can't stay away from it. I just love that psalm because I think in every situation. It's having that humility to serve others, as James was talking about, you know, to, to raise somebody up alongside and then let them be better than you and let them fly um, and not to feel proud about that. And actually, there will come a time where we have to lay down our leadership or our musicianship or our place in a team. That is going to come to all of us. Um, and it, it might come back to you and you might have to do that several times. 
and you might just do it once, but I think having that heart that is ready to say, when God says I'm done, I'm done, but I'm not done until he says I'm done. Um, so I think it's a challenge. We all have the same amount of time as each other. Nobody is richer than anybody else in how many hours they've got in the day, and we make our choices of how we spend it. There are times when you've got little kids where you are really, really stretched and you're really, really tired. And I recall leading worship in a church plant setting. I don't think there's anyone here from that moment where one of my children, I won't say who it is, <laughs> um, was a little bit unwell that day. And you know, I'm, I'm a teacher too, so you'll be fine, you'll be fine. Life goes on. Um, so my child beautifully projectile vomiting <laughs> as he was led from the room to the toilet <laughs> by a very kind, uh, it might have even been my mum doing that, um, bless her. Uh, and then you have that whole, I shouldn't be doing this, I should have been clearing up that vomit, that's my job. But in a church plant setting, people come around you and actually people want to serve you and, and there's a humility in letting people serve you. Um, and getting that balance, we're, we're, not, we're not perfect, we're all human, we make mistakes. But actually just, just thinking those things through and saying, do I need to just step back and do something different or do I need to allow people to serve me? And, and actually, I think God, God looked after us in that situation. Um, so yeah, I think I would just say there's seasons of life for us and that, that has a different level of capacity as to what we can give attached to that. And there are different seasons for church teams. And, you know, over the years we've been in teams where literally, can you, do you look like you want to play an instrument, come and, come and join us? To having so many people at such an excellent standard that we've held auditions um, to come in, into the team. Because you've only got so much capacity. And, and there is that fine line of balance of being an inclusive team and still maintaining high standards and excellent excellence where you can. Because we're here to serve the church, we're not here to serve people's egos or sense of uh, personal fulfillment. Um, and that's a balance, and that's why I think my prayer for everyone, uh, thank you for coming today, would just be to, to have that heart before God, that humility and that clean heart before God. Is that, is that enough? Cool. Okay, so... Um, I've just lost my place now. I'm going to introduce Simo, who is someone who I've known a really long time, because he's nearly as old as me. <laughs> so Simo is now based in Chichester, but you, again, have led worship in a number of different settings. Basically, I say Chichester, in the, in the Chichester, Bogner, Midhurst, Havant, um, set of churches now. Um, Simo is such an encourager, such a, again, such an includer, um, and a real inspirational worship leader, as you will have seen this morning. And it is just always, always a joy to work with Simo. Um, and I've learned so much from him. So can you, um, do you want to talk to us about how you've managed change? Um, you've adapted to a lot of different situations, <laughs> I know. Um, and just kind of talk through how you equip and help the team to manage that. Yeah? First of all, for those of you who don't know me, the two things. One, I'm pretty quiet and I'm shy. <laughs> <laughs> who said rubbish? <laughs> okay, um, I'll just, a few things. Grace Church is um, a church, as Joe said, of, with four, diff uh, it's one church, but it's got four sites. So we have Bognor, we have Midhurst, we have Havant, and we have Chichester. Um, let me start by saying it is a real privilege to lead that team, but also a real privilege to work with gifted worshippers and gifted leaders. I couldn't do it without them, you know, and I need to be honest about that. Um, it's, it's an amazing um, thing to have a great team around you, you know, because you are able to lead through the difficulties, through whatever life throws at you, are able to lead well through that if you have gifted people within your team. So I'm, I'm pretty blessed in that area. Um, another thing I'll say as well, it is hard work. As leaders, let's not pretend that it's easy. 
and that we've got it all worked out because even now I haven't got it all worked out and I've led worship for over 20 years, over 20 years doing different events and some of you guys, I'm looking around and some of you guys in here I've led worship with. So it is, it is and they can testify, it is hard work and I'll never pretend that it's easy. The bigger the church, come on, you say this to me, the bigger the church, the bigger the problems, okay? And the more sites you have, the more problems you'll have within leading and within praying and within just the things that come with that. But um, building team is important. It's important to raise leaders, um, especially in a multi-site setting. It's crucial. Um, one of the things that I really enjoy doing is um, I like taking risks with people. People know I like taking risks because when I first came to lead, people took a risk on me. Took a, took a risk. All right. So I like taking risks in the way that I will allow people to come on board and just to have a go. Come on. You know, I'll encourage them. You know, if they're gifted in a, in a certain area but never played before, I will, I will encourage them to, to come on board. We we have worship team practice every Tuesday and we'll invite people to come along. You also have to be honest with people as well. Don't lead them up the garden path. Don't If something's not working or if you feel within your heart that this isn't necessary for them, come on, be honest. As a, as a, as a leader, you have to be honest with people and tell them um, where they're going wrong or where they can improve or even if it's not for them or it's not going to work. Um, so I've had to, along the way, be honest, sometimes it's gone down very well, sometimes it hasn't gone down well because of the way that people choose to take that. Model good relationships. Um, one of the things that I do within the team, I'll model good relationships within my, with, with the elders. So important. So with the eldership team, with the, with the leaders of your church, you know, have a good relationship. If you model that well, then your team will also model that well. All right? So um, it's, it's something that just to be in connection with your elders, with the, with the way the church run, if you're modeling that and working well together, then your team will work very well together. Um, one, of the, one of the difficulties, one of the major difficulties that I found was um, with taking on a team that was already existing. And that, that came with lots of different challenges. Um, but if you know what God has called you to do, and if you know um, that this is what he said, the things that he said, you have to, you have to almost trust him, no matter what comes your way. So I took on a team um, that was existing, and um, there was a lot of things happened within that. A lot of people got like almost left the team, um, and it was just guiding through that, walking through the difficulties, walking through, bringing other people through, saying, "Look, this is what God has said." This is what we believe. This is the way we move forward. And I, I'm so pleased that um, the guys that turfed it out are guys that are still with us, leading across the four sites, um, just leading and raising up the team. Because we do it together. And it's not just all on me. Even though I lead the team, I've got fantastic guys that individually lead across the site. We've got a fantastic band of musicians that that play across all four sites. And if it wasn't for going through this together, walking through difficulties, walking through challenges, you know, would we have the four sites we have today? I don't know. But the fact that they turfed it out and we say, look, we're in this. We know it's not easy. We know God is for us. We know what he's spoken. And we're going to walk through this together. You know, learn to take, learn to take risks. Learn to enjoy your team. Learn to. One of the things that we do, we have fun. We have fun as a team. So we'll do, we'll do socials together. 
we have food together. We go out. We, it, learn to have fun. Learn to enjoy your team. Learn to be yourself. That is so important. Be yourself. And learn to love God. Model this. Love God. Love your team. They, in turn, will love God and they'll love the church as we move forward. All right? Cool. Fantastic. It's good stuff here. I want to introduce Mike to you. So Mike is um, a phenomenal musician. He's a professional musician. Um, he's in Westminster Chapel in London. And uh, I met Mike last year when we, when we led worship together. And um, Mike plays uh, keys incredibly well, but he, he's actually taken on the role of music director for us here. But he does a lot of that in his church as well. And I think Mike has something very valuable to even bring into some of your church situations. So just have a think about the kind of role that he plays here and see if that might be something that uh, could play uh, in your setting as well. So, Mike, I want to ask you a few things. So, I mean, Mike, you, you lead worship. You can lead worship really well. Um, but I, I know that actually you know that your strength is even in uh, more in di di directing the band, uh, the musicality, music arrangements, and actually what we've all been supported by here is that we feel released as worship leaders because we know that that band knows what they're doing and actually some of those arrangements which I can't I can't put pull that together I'm not good enough for that but we've got people like Mike who does can you talk through how some of the challenges in 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 that so they're like working with worship leaders that might not be as skilled as you but actually you wanting to release them to do what they want to do to bless the church so can you talk through some of that Thanks, Sean. So I'll share some of my thoughts that I've written down. Um, don't want to kind of go over what everyone's been saying, so I'm trying to think what, what can I add that's, um, that's new and fresh. So firstly, have self-awareness uh, about your gifting and don't project that onto others as if they should have it as well because everyone is gifted in different ways. So... Not everyone is like you, and that's okay. Understand, try to understand or interpret music in your way. It doesn't mean that other people will interpret music in the same way. You know, for example, playing by ear, that's how I kind of, kind of learned music, started off just listening to stuff and found that I could easily pick it up. But then there's people that are classically trained, reading music, you know, and they might not be able to improvise, and you don't want to assume, uh, you know, that, that they have that gift and, you know, be hard on them or give them a really difficult task that they're not capable of doing. So be self-aware in that. Um, don't try and make everyone like yourself. Um, celebrate the diversity in your team. Um, don't copy another church. Uh, it's a big one, I think. Uh, in terms of kind of moving forward with your worship team, let's say, um, you know, you want to kind of go a bit further and maybe introduce a click track or, um, you know, um, try using some track even. Um, don't feel pressure to copy another church. You think about who you have in your team and utilize their gift. Okay, that, that's the most important thing. Know your team, know their strengths, and capitalize on their strengths, encourage them on their strengths, and um, and and that will will help your team go really far. Um, so yeah, don't feel pressure to be like another church because oh you know they're they're doing amazing. They've just released another album, so and so on. I think just just keep keep your head in where you're at in your church, and really kind of you know press into all the all the people in in your community, in your church, and be there. That's the first thing, you know, you know, be there for your team and support them and encourage them before you try and, um, you know, go a bit forward and uh, introduce new things. Um, yeah, this role, again, you know, as Simo was saying, it's, it's all about the people, you know, uh, developing relationships, being friends with people and not treating them like tools, you know, um, it's really important. You know, we're, we're a family of God, so 
we we want to be there for each other. We want to support each other. We want to get into people's lives. We want to ask them questions about their lives, you know, especially those that might be dealing with anxiety. I think that happens a lot in worship. I've experienced that, you know, and um, there's people on my team that have experienced that, but that's okay, you know. But it's it's coming alongside these guys and supporting them, and um, you know helping them, giving them the right tools and discipling them in order to make them aware of who they are in God so that they can overcome these, these fears. Um, thank your team. You know, it's, it's really simple, but you know, how many of us kind of appreciate our team um, and how often do we do that? You know, it, it, it's just, it's so important and foundational to building, building a community and building your team. And they will appreciate that, and they'll appreciate your leadership as well. Um, now, in terms of musicality, uh, I love this. I love writing arrangements. I'm, I compose music myself. Um, I write for library production libraries, and I write some arrangements for, for the church as well. So I'm, I'm all for this, and I think this is great, and I think we should do more of it. Um, encourage musical expression in your church, especially those that are gifted in that kind of area, you know, in terms of maybe writing arrangements um, or singing prophetically um, or just playing in kind of breaks in between a song, for example, like an introduction or an interlude. Um, personally, I think there's nothing wrong with the guitar solo. I love it. And I would... <laughs> encourage it more you know um and and th these guys will, will know that i've been shouting down the mic you know more 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 come on and you know uh, so um i love that and i think god appreciates that as well he, he he appreciates the music you know it's it's it it it's singing and it's praising god not just with our mouths but with our hands with our bodies and everything so it's, it's another form of expressing worship to God. So um, don't kind of belittle those things uh, and, and the creativity that you can bring and the fresh inspiration and ideas that God's giving you. Um, so for creatives, um, use an outlet or an environment outside of Sundays uh, to get together and worship and go through new ideas. So we, we started doing worship nights last year um, led by one of my guys, um, and, and he did a great job kind of bringing people together and just coming together and worshiping together outside of church, you know, and um, just encouraging each other in that and seeking God and pressing into that. Um, you might want to meet up with people for songwriting if that's their gift. Um, I really want to encourage you to do that. We're trying to maybe sort something out here with our team as well. Um, so if you're interested, you know, there's just ask, you know, we're, we're not, we'd, we'd welcome you, uh, and, uh, we just want to, we want to encourage people to do that more, and hopefully you'll see some new songs come throughout this kind of collective. Um, so yeah, really, um, collaboration is important, and it's, it's good, and it's, it's, it's better than just working through something by yourself. Um, you know, just having someone kind of coming in and, and feeding back on your on your lyrics or, or, or your music and just kind of sharing those ideas and learning to like kind of let go of it as well um, is a good practice because it's knowing that it's not about you, okay, it's about serving God and working together to do that is, is, is great. And you get a different perspective uh, from different gifts in your team. So I really encourage collaboration more and more. Um, yeah, I think um, in terms of our successes, we've we've uh, we've come a long way. I think I was it's building communities kind of been the priority for me in the last few years, and kind of getting alongside people and encouraging them and supporting them and treating them like a real person and. Uh, and we feel more like that now, and we're still going, we're still learning. It's always a learning experience, but that's kind of the direction we're going. Um, yeah, go ahead. Thank you, Mike. That was amazing. That was great. 
Um, so many different perspectives is so important, isn't it? We, this kind of leads us nicely into talking about songwriting with Matt. Um, and um, Matt has written some amazing songs. You've probably sung them yourselves, some of them. But also Matt has got a real heart for God's word and and equipping the church for that. So um, Matt's going to talk a little bit about how that how you've made that a value in church life. And whilst Matt is talking about that, I know there's a lot of people wanting to um, think about songwriting and, and how we do that. We do want to leave time for questions as well. So if whilst Matt's talking, questions are coming to you, we're, we're going to try and pick um, a few questions that will maybe benefit everybody in the room. So if it's a really personal thing to you and your context, perhaps come and catch one of us afterwards. But we'll go to questions after Matt's talked a bit more about songwriting. Hey, yeah. Uh, um, I think the first thing you've got to acknowledge about songwriting, um, particularly when it's like collaborative, is it's incredibly difficult. Um, <laughs> it's you know it's it's difficult on your own, um, but even more so in a group, I would say, um, because people are fragile. People are you know particularly creatives. Creatives are incredibly fragile, and if if you uh, you've got to be careful how you handle that. You know if they if there's I've got this idea, you don't say. Oh, that's not very good, or you know that that's weak. You know, framing your 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 criticism is so so important in that sense. So it's you know, did you think about doing this instead? What about at this bit in here? I think when you're thinking about songwriting, um, and in terms of encouraging others in that process, you've got to constantly look at it as a as a thing of flux it's constantly evolving so never like never settling so i've got i've got songs that have never seen the light of day in terms of in terms of other people you know um congregations um and i think that is massively important there are songs and this is and you know the base of that is that you know that your songwriting should be authentic your songwriting is primarily an outlet between you and God. It's a it's a source. It's a relationship source point for you and God. And um, and that relationship evolves. And there are songs that will never see the light of day, but they are important for your relationship with God. And and it's so important just to keep cultivating that. Keep cultivating that creativity. And there are songs that I you know I've written six years ago that I will come back to and go yeah like that's how I felt at that time with you. This is that was that moment, and that was that moment. I was, and I'm feeling like that again. But that is just for me and you, God. So, writing from that place of of like openness, constant relationship evolving is is hugely important. I think in terms of writing as a church together, um, we've had like really varying success with this over the years. Um, I'm constantly asking uh, church leaders, "What's the series? What series are we on? What you know? What are we preaching? How can we make those key principles stick that you want to communicate over this next season? What's because people will remember a song, right? But they won't remember a sermon necessarily. So you want to keep keep that flow going. Um, and then, and then asking, I mean, asking non-musical pe people for feedback as well, particularly like your leaders, and to go to them and say, "This is a s this I've got this song. What do you think? <laughs> Where's this going to go?" Um, and they might just say, "No, that's just that's just for you and God," and you've got to be ready to accept that. Um, I have a wonderfully musical wife, as well, um, which is so helpful. She's like my first line of, of feedback and. And then there's probably, you know, dozens of songs where she's she's just gone, <laughs> nah, not this time, not this time. Or, or that lyric didn't quite stick, did it? That lyric's, you know, not incredibly clear. Um, yeah, I think I kind of, I could ramble for a long time on it, but um, but yeah, I mean, you guys have had, particularly in Chichester, you wrote an album together, didn't you? And recorded it a while ago. It might be. Yeah, let's go to questions. 
there might be some songwriting questions that come out actually of some of some of this stuff. So and then we can just feed it through with a few of us. So one one thing Simon Brading um, once said in um, I think we were we were with him weren't we once one time, um, and he just said in in that when you get into a collaborative space the song is king, nobody's nobody's opinion like really counts more than anybody else's. As soon as you bring the song to the to the to the table, you leave it on the table. It's not yours anymore, um, which is hugely valuable. I found that really helpful. Actually, one or two things he he mentioned when he's trying to critique a song, which I thought was really good, um, is he said he asks the person who's written it, "What's your best part of the song? What do you love the best? And what do you think you're not so sure about here?" And the hope is that what they think is what you think as well, uh, which really kind of opens that conversation up a little bit. So you can say, okay, yeah, I actually thought that as well. So let's try and work a bit more here. Um, so that's good. Um, we just want to open up the floor, but I'm going to run around with a mic um, and then ask a question. If you particularly want to ask one person, please please do that. But if you just want to throw a question out, we'll see who's the best person to answer that. So I'm going to go here to Chris first. So I'm here as a church leader, and uh, I found this so helpful. Like, so I have no idea about worship, but this has just been so helpful, so thank you. Um, and my question is, um, our worship team are really talented, really gifted, naturally, and they're a lot of them are professionals, and so they kind of get together on a Sunday morning, practice, and then play. And um, from the autumn term, they're going to start to practice together midweek, which I intuitively feel like that's right. But um, in a year's time, they might get tired of that. And what what is the value to practicing outside of a Sunday morning? Why is that important? Is it important? And why is it? What tools can you give me to help encourage them to do that? I, I won't be too long. But it straight away, yes. So that inc being inclusive and being accessible to people, that happens outside of the Sunday morning. The the Sunday morning is our front door for our for our visitors for our church. It's it's only a little bit of what church life is about. So I would say uh, certainly a value for me is is to meet and to worship outside of that because actually that worship leader you you as the worship leader don't have everything. You come with some songs and then the team actually then they they, they contribute so much. Um, but it is also then a place for people to come and find out whether they've got the skills to be in the team, whether they fit in, whether it is right, and whether there's somebody who's really passionate enough to build with who's going to commit. Um, and you can't find that out just from a Sunday morning. So that's my quick answer. And just on that, because um, we've we've always done it, and um, you learn to worship with your team doing that. On a Sunday morning, you are so focused on the practicalities of things, getting it right, getting the song right. Whereas on a on a Tuesday, which we what we do, um, you learn to worship. You learn to do different things as well, but primarily you learn to worship with your team. Yeah, that's good. I think um, just to just to throw in a mix, I think a practice. There's so much you can do in a practice, and I think as worship leaders, you need to if you do get the opportunity to practice, week, think about what you want to achieve by the end of that practice. I think it's so key. Because we want to disciple the skill and the character, okay, for one. Within a practice context, you can start shaping the culture that you want to see in your team as well. You can show what you value by the way you talk to certain people. And, uh, and, and, and as these guys said, worshipping together. But also helping those musicians which struggle sometimes maybe with improv. Um, it's like that's the opportunity. To it's not an opportunity just to, oh, let's just go through the songs for Sunday. It's, it's like... Let's just run around the sequence here and let's just explore that a little bit. Let's express each other. Let's give a bit of space to each. And I found initially that's really awkward for some people, but that's the, ex that's the environment where you can do that, whereas the Sunday you, you're time restricted. Let's have another question. Let's go here, Chris. Uh, I just had a question about how do you recruit people? Like, what do you do? Like, uh, if you want more people on the team, do you have auditions or... How do you handle them when, when they say, no, I am gifted, you know, I want to be there on stage? Because I have people back home who do that. How would you handle a situation like that I mean, you get new people on the team? Excellent question. <laughs> Who wants to feel that one? Mike, do you want to take this? 
have you served anywhere else in the church? Is probably the, the question I'd ask them. Because um, you need a humble heart. You need to have humility to, to worship. And um, you don't just want to just bring anyone, even if they're super talented. Um, we have someone in our church who is um, the lead actress in Hamilton at the moment. So we're very lucky. <laughs> but uh, we don't get her on every week. <laughs> but uh, when we do, it's incredible. But I'm not just picking her because she's, she's an incredibly gifted singer. Um, she has an incredible heart to worship. I've seen that um, because when I'm up there leading, I can see people. And I can see if they're interacting. And I can see if they're worshiping. And uh, that usually gives me a sign, you know, this person is someone to look out for. And that's who I would look out for. Because if they're doing it off stage, then you know they're going to do it on stage. Um, yeah. I know we're almost out of time, but I think create context as well. Like small context, medium size, big size. That's good. Let's have this one here. write a book on that or everything you guys say, just said. Um, one thing I wanted to know uh, that I don't think you guys touched on is, is um, modernizing worship. Um, in the past, I've seen other churches kind of stick to a 50-song or 20-song playlist week in, week out, week in, week out, and becomes very stale. And there's no modernization to the songs. There's no upkeep because there's hundreds and thousands of songs that are coming out every month, every year. I mean, UCB is just filled with different versions of songs and different uh, song, like new songs that people write and stuff like that. Where do you guys stand on encouraging new songs to come into the worship band that may be kind of foreign to the church but might be relevant to the preach, to the, to the series? Where do you guys stand on that? How would you guys approach something like that with your leaders and things like that? Yeah, I don't mind taking this one. Um, I think it's important to contextualize where your church is at. Where are you? Are you in a city? Are you rural? I think what's the demographic of your size of church? So I think it's, it's worth taking that into account. But we should always be thinking, actually, when we go, where's the legacy? What, what's the church going to look like? So actually bringing in songs which youth are really want to worship to is really important. But at the same time, don't, don't look at one Sunday as your opportunity to just change everything. Take a long game approach. So in a year, what are some of the modern songs I might want to bring through, but your Sunday doesn't alienate your six-year-old. So in one set, you might throw one element of something modern in it, and then you gradually bring some change. But actually, you don't want to isolate anyone. We're here to serve and facilitate everyone. But yes, I think it's a really important thing that we modernize our music. A lot of Christian music sounds like it was, it was made in 1995. And I think we, we need to move on from that. We really, really do. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, let's take two more questions. I'm sorry we've run out of time. Hi. Uh, yeah, so for creative types who are interested in songwriting, obviously, um, like you say, it's quite a fragile thing to kind of bring things and sort of listen to and critique. Um, but it's, yeah, it's obviously important. But if if someone sort of feels like they've got a kind of a seed of an idea that they think, oh, that, that would really work, but people aren't necessarily hearing that or sort of catching that same seed, and they come back with ideas like, oh, you should try and change this or try and change that, and then you go away and sort of work on it, how long should you keep plugging away at an idea if it's just not kind of taking off? like you put it on a shelf and then come back to it years later, but it still doesn't kind of take off. How long do you keep going like that? Yeah, go at Matt. <laughs> I, I think you keep it open as long as you possibly can until, like, you just keep it open. Like, if it doesn't resolve, leave it unresolved. It is, it is totally, yeah, Joe's just said it's, it's, it's between you and God. And... And yeah, definitely. If the, if there's a point where that is like completely relevant, 
and it's like there are points when you know I come back to a song and he's gone he's gone right finish it now right finish it this is it um and yeah it's just waiting on him for answers waiting for him you know for revelation of yeah I'm going to take one more question but I'm not sure if these guys have got time, but I'm going to definitely hang around. Some of them might be around. If you want to ask some more questions, we'll be here. So, this guy. I just got a, well, obviously I, I work with most of you guys, some shorter than others, but um, I just wanted to ask about um, song formation and when you think about, because a lot of the songs are like, they're all recorded. Do you go with a recording? When do you feel it's time for the spirit to move, what do you do at those points? I know what we do in our church, but I wanted to know from your perspective, and is it different here in West Point to at home? I'll, I'll start. I think contextualizing for your setting is good, but what I tend to do if we bring a new song or something, I'm, I'm quite, I, I say to everyone, look, listen to this recording. These guys have spent probably 30 hours writing it, and then another 10 or 20 hours in the studio doing the work, so to think that we can somehow just change the arrangements straight away and think that we can do a better job, I don't, I don't, you know, I think let's start there and then contextualize for your situation. I think that's important because if, you, if you're a church of 80 and, and doing something like, I don't know, Unstoppable God remix or something like that, it's just they're not going to be able to cope with that. You've got to think of the setting that you're in, but actually you can utilize some of the arrangement elements and it depends on the musicians you've got. You don't have a three-part you know, three brass section maybe at your church. So I think it's contextualizing. But start with the recording. It's good. Some good stuff there. I think in terms of flow in the spirit, I, I think that's really key. Uh, let's not think that the song is, the key, is king in, in our worship settings. I think songs are tools. Um, and when, you wor when you're leading worship, let's not just go this song, then that song, then that song. And not actually think, okay, transitions, space. Like, could I exhort here? Um, could I bring some scripture? Could we pray or could we lead some straight? L let me talk to the band. Uh, communication and preparation, absolutely key, okay? So I think when you, when you bring a set together, what I do with a band is I, I might have privately prepped and I've gone through the journey of the song set that I'm thinking of and I'm thinking, actually, you know what? I think after the third song, I'd love to leave some space here. I think like, the lyrics that we, we speaking of here, we, we want to just reflect, but let's just leave some space. I think possibly something prophetic might come, but I don't know. What I, over the years, have learned to do is actually communicate that to my band. Because I've often just gone into a, a, a set thinking, I've got something in the pocket. I've not told anyone about it, but I'm just going to go for it. And then what I find is the momentum, the band aren't actually ready. And, and we haven't actually, I haven't honored them very well. I'm not even giving them the time to think, hey, I would love you guys to help dynamically lift this as well. And I've always found if I've brought it to the band in a practice setting or just said, I want to go through the whole thing with them and just think, just this sequence, the bridge sequence, let's just play around there. And if you guys can just rise and fall as I'm going, at least you've communicated to them. They feel honored and engaged in that process. So I think that's really important. But yes, to be thinking of space, thinking of transitions, how are you going to move through? How are you going to facilitate an environment where people can worship Jesus, I think is, is really key. Anything you want to add to that? Um, you said something really important there. You asked us, is this the same as what we're doing in our churches? It's not. <laughs> it's definitely not. But there are a lot of values and principles that are absolutely the same. So like Sean was just talking about how we're going to flow, where we're going to leave some space, talking it through as a team, being really open together. As far as these songs go, we are in a very privileged position to be able to put really high production behind what we're doing. So when you go back to your little church plant and you're back with your guitar and a cajon player who may or may not keep in time, it's a very different... You're not going to reproduce the CD. You're not going to reproduce the album version. It's not going to sound like your Spotify playlist, only in your head. I always say it sounds like it in my head. I can hear it all. So it is, it is going to be a different version. And... And I think keeping something that is familiar, that is accessible to people is really important. But uh, trying to recreate something that is impossible, it isn't going to help anybody. So actually, you do kind of sometimes need to just rethink. But you know, there's, there's so many great versions out there on Spotify, on YouTube. You can just Google acoustic versions of some of these songs as well, uh, which helps to inspire you. And, and it helps you to be able to keep those new songs in and keep fresh. 
without pushing people or, or trying to do something that isn't really possible to achieve. So I hope that helps. Thanks, Joe. I think don't underestimate the value of having a musical director as well. It's so they can transition you into those moments. So we, we for example, on the stage, we're, we're going from click tracks with, you know, with a full like arrangement in behind us to spontaneous moments that are still on click. There's no backing, but like Mike is like leading us through those moments um, and just creating a framework that we could be super flexible with. Um, so ideally, you know, if if you're the worship leader, you want you want somebody who is a better musician than you in behind you and is just kind of orchestrating people. Um, it's super helpful. Good. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to hang around a bit as well. Please just come and ask some more questions. <laughs>